Okay, we're never discussed the uh, topic of lying. Now, this is a topic which can be applied to the workplace that really um, is relevant in all kinds of different settings. Um, so, it's uh, a broad kind of topic um, and one that has a lot of nuances involved. Um, I'll just explain briefly that when you have something that uh, of, of the nature of... of um, with MS and uh, Sheker, then it's not just a technical question, it's also a question of a person maintaining certain midos um, and making sure that one's not going to be corrupted. We find in Chazal that uh, they were very attentive to this and they were very careful, for example, um, that one should not um, should not ask a child to say something which is untrue, um, even if technically it might be permissible because of the concern that the, the uh, child might learn to lie in the future. Also, sometimes... We find in Chazal that, they, that in, in the post-game, they say that even if uh, technically one is allowed to say something which is untrue in certain circumstances, um, then nonetheless one should not do it with regularity because that will end up corrupting the individual. So these are just things to be careful um, about, and uh, one should n- never take um, hetter that appears in Chazal and, uh, and then abuse it, you might say, or overuse it. Um, really is something that requires uh, a lot of uh, sensitivity and a lot of vigilance. Um, at the same time, it's also very important to note that we do find, as we're going to see, that that um, in halacha, I'm saying something which is um, technically untrue, sometimes is allowed or even might be required. Um, and that's because Chazal didn't view, um, you know, MS in the, um, you might call it in the technical sense, to be an, a value which uh, overrules other values necessarily. There's sometimes other concerns and other priorities um, that uh, require setting aside the technical truth um, for, you might say, a higher cause or a higher goal in order to fu- make sure that Ras and Hashem um, is going to be fulfilled. Um, so we're going to see examples of this, and some of these can apply very definitely in the workplace. Um, as I said, you know, one has to be extremely careful, um, you know, in terms of the application of it, and oftentimes maybe one has to ask a shaila um, in order to figure out when it's applied. Um, so first of all, um, just one should note that the, there is a general question which is brought up by the posthum as to whether the prohibition minatora against lying only applies in the context of a beizdin or dayanim, um, or maybe in the context of a monetary issue in which one has a dispute with someone else, maybe it's only in that context that the Easter against lying applies, or does it apply more broadly to all situations? In other words, can you say that it's prohibited according to the Torah to lie? Um, so this is the Machlokas, um, and uh, in some of the works that we have in regard to Allah um, of, of Emerson Shakir, um, they discuss this in detail, and a number of the important Sfarim Indicate that uh, they say that there's a whole list of uh, postim, rishonim, and achronim who say that in fact one is prohibited in the from lying, even if it doesn't have to do with a basin, even if it doesn't have to do with a monetary issue. Um, but in principle, it's prohibited to do so, um, and it's subsumed under midvar shaker tircha. Um, I'll note just as a sidebar that um, one wants to look further into some of these halachos. There is a sefer which is written by Rav Nachman Yivros. Um, very important in Chavar's Farim um, called Nivs Kavasayim. Um, that's a classical work. Um, there's also 
uh, Sefer, which is called Titan Emes Yaakov, which also collects a lot of views in the postgame. And there is also in the back of the Sefer called Mishvatei Shalom, there's um, a Sefer called Emes Kene. So that also has a very um, systematic uh, presentation of the Halachos. Um, all these farms are good. The first and the third, I think, are in terms of their organization, <coughs> I think are um, <coughs> a little bit easier to use. Um, so in any case, let's move on for a moment, <coughs> excuse me, to discuss <coughs> the, uh, the, the various different details in regard to, um, in regard to um, MS and Shaker. So, first of all, before moving on to um, talk about uh, details, it, it is important to emphasize how strongly Chazal you know, considered the, uh, the, the prohibition against uh, lying and how important they felt it was important, how important they felt it was to um, uphold, you know, MS. Um, some examples of this are a Gemara, for example, in Sota that says, Arba Kitos in the Kabbal Shechina, that there are four different groups of people who don't have an audience in a sense with Akash Baruch Hu. One of them is the Kas Shakron, the group of people who um, are involved in Sheker. Um, the Gemara in Avodah Dasani Beis Amnalis says, which also indicates a person who now says something which is not true. It's like the person's an idol worshiper. Um, Mishnah Perkiyavo says that the world stands at the end of the first parak. So Emes is one of the foundations for the world. Um, similarly, the Chazanish um, talks about this idea in the Sefer Emunah Bitachon that the Chazanish um, says that if a person gets used to lying then he has a very strong expression in which he says that uh, the person's whole tsura, the person's whole, you know, spiritual makeup um, is, uh, is disappears and he, he becomes the whole personality, the spiritual personality of the individual um, can disappear if the individual becomes like a, someone who's used to lying. Um, according to Kazanish, this is an essential element of a, of a, uh, of a good human being Right, that the person has a sense of integrity, and if that's lost, um, then the uh, is something which becomes corrupted um, in a very deep kind of way. So, in any case, it's absolutely critical that a person maintain sensitivity towards telling the truth. Um, never get a sense, you know, that uh, because I've certain circumstances required deviations from what we technically is the uh, the, the truth um, for some kind of you know higher purpose. The person should always remind oneself the importance of, of adhering to the truth and, and uh, not deviating from it. Um, there is a question which the post can bring up, which sometimes, which, which oftentimes is very relevant, which is the question of whether the prohibition against uh, lying applies in regard to writing as well. Is oftentimes it happens the person has to fill out a form, um, and the question comes up as to whether you can write something which is uh, which is not true, and the post can generally assume emphatically that uh, that the Easter against lying applies even in writing as well. Um, the Tikal Yezer um, pointed this out based on the Gemara in Baba Basra and some of the Rishonim there. But in any case, this is something which is definitely subsumed um, under the Easter against lying as well. Um, now, one of the other things to keep in mind before we get into details is the following, that one has to be very, very, very um, careful that if uh, one is going to say something which is not technically true, um, again, for some reason, because it's subsumed under a, 
um, a dispensation in the halacha, so you have to be, make sure that it shouldn't cause a chil Um In other words, if um, it's either something which might be discovered afterwards, or people get a sense that a person is stretching the truth, um, and that can result in a chil Hashem, which is, uh, the, we talked about this before, um, the worst of that one can commit. That's always something to be especially careful about and always to think about whether there might be some element of Chil Hashem. You know, one might be say that I'm doing, I'm being Shalom or something along those lines. But uh, if, if the cost um, is going to be um, is going to be a Chil Hashem, um, that uh, obviously is 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 a person is going to end up losing more than the game. Um, okay. So let's go some of, through some of the heterim that are mentioned in the posting. First of all, there's a Gemara in Yevamot, that uh, famous Gemara that says, Mutu lo adam nishanos b'davar ha-shalom. This is what we call the nishanu yitne ha-shalom. Saying something which is not technically true um, in order to promote peace. And the Gemara gives several examples of this. Uh, the first one is in regard to... Um, in regard to the brothers of Yosef who told him that uh, Yaakov had said that uh, Yosef is supposed to forgive him, um, he's supposed to forgive um, them for what he, they had done to him, that he had sold them into slavery. Um, and in fact, uh, Chazal say that, Chazal indicates, of course, Yaakov had never instructed this, but they did this in order to promote, um, in order to promote peace. Um, now, this is a broad hatter, um it, we see in other sources that um, this doesn't only apply in, in, you know, in a situation where a person has to respond to a, a, a scenario uh, um, you know, that, that presents itself, but rather a person sometimes can take a proactive approach in regard to this. The most uh, famous example is that comes up in Avaz Rabbi Nathan, the famous description of how Aaron HaKohen, when he would um, come across uh, two people who were in conflict with one another, um, he would seek out each one of them and would give a whole description about how the other one really is distraught and heartbroken and upset that they're in conflict and really he doesn't want to be in conflict with his friend. Um, and then ultimately Aaron was able to broker a kind of peace and reconciliation between the two of them. Now here Aaron was presenting something. He initiated, you know, contact with each one of them to presenting something which technically wasn't true for the sake of promoting peace. We see that being Shanavit Nashalom um, is considered to be uh, permissible and is a very important value. Even it means initiating something or another. Um, we find uh, sources that indicate that in order to bring about a peace between husband and wife, one is allowed to um, also to deviate from, you know, from the uh, from from the truth. Um, and uh, there's a, a Rashi, Rashi in in Brachis Perak Lamed Zion. Um, says that uh, when Yaakov of um, spoke to Yosef and he said, right, uh, that we're going to bow down to you. So Rashi there quotes that the reason why Yaakov said this, even though um, he actually thought that what he, the dream of Yosef had significance, but that they didn't want their brothers to be jealous of him. There again, for the sake of peace, we find that Yaakov um, Avinu um, deviated from what you know is technically the truth that he believed in this uh, dream and its significance. Um, he wanted to make sure that the brothers were not going to be jealous of Yosef. Of course, ultimately, um, didn't end well in that circumstance. But um, we see from these sources that being Mishan and Nashon 
is definitely permissible, and again, even if it requires taking some kind of initiative. Um, however, um, there are some stipulations or conditions attached to this. In the state for Nevis Vasayim, um, he mentions a couple of debates um, in regard to the Hatter being Mishan of Shalom. Some postings thought that this only applied in regard to something that already occurred, but you couldn't be Mishan of Shalom in regard to something in the present. Let's say, for example, you saying that I don't have any money with me um, because you don't want to get into a, an uncomfortable situation in which you're not going to lend somebody money, um, for example. Um, so that's Mishan Bidnei Shalom. That that's some um, some post scheme were of the position that you can only you can't do that. You can only do it if it's something in regard to a, something which happened in the past. It's already done. Then you can um, you can deviate from the the truth, but in order to promote shalom, but not in regard to something which is occurring presently or will occur in the future. Um, however, many posting disagree and, and say that you can be mishanavid shalom even in regard to the present. And ultimately, it seems like we rely upon that something to be aware of. Um, also, some post-game thought that you can only be Mishan of Shalom if it could be understood in two different ways. Um, there's an expression, Mishname Trey Ante, that it can be understood in two different ways, but an outright lie, um, one would not be able to uh, say over. Again, m- many post-game do not say that. Um, and ultimately, um, we assume that if necessary, one is allowed to even say something which is not true at all, which is clearly untrue, if uh, it will bring about um, shalom. Now, there are a couple of things to keep in mind that everybody seems to agree to, or it seems and it seems very compelling. Um, that when you mishanav is shalom, it has to be for um, the l'shem shemaim for the sake of promoting peace, as opposed to a situation which is being done for some ulterior motive, like for my gain, um, which I'm going to you know I'm doing it for myself. And, and I'm going to be benefiting in some way from it. Obviously, if I'm involved in, if I'm, if I'm going to avoid conflict, there's an element of benefit in that. But nonetheless, if, uh, let's say, for example, it's in order for me to get a promotion, you know, or let's say, for example, in order for me to broker some kind of business deal or something along those lines, um, then you have to ask as to whether that's being shanavit Shalom, right? And, and, you can't stretch it too far. Otherwise, a person would say, I'm Shanvid Nashalom because, you know, I want to become the, I don't know, the president of the company or something like that. Right? That obviously is not included in this. Shanvid Nashalom means that it's for the sake of really promoting peace, so that there shouldn't be disagreement, um, but it's not for the sake of ingratiating oneself or impressing other people or anything along those lines um, or, or, or some kind of personal gain. Um, we find other examples of uh, being Shanvid Nashalom um, there's a Gemara in Eruvin, which uh, de- describes a situation in which one of the Amoraim, um, Rabbi Yoshua, stayed over um, by a certain uh, hostess, and she made um, a, the same dish the first day, the second day, the third day. She burnt it, and then he didn't want to eat it. So she asked him, why you're not eating the food? And he said, that, well, I already ate. Um, in the daytime. And then the Gemara goes on to describe the rest of the conversation. But the point is that we see over here that in order not to insult someone, definitely you are allowed to be Mishana and Nashalom. So let's say if somebody serves you something and, you know, you can't eat it because you don't think it tastes good, then to say something along the lines of, you know, I'm, I don't eat this or I'm on some kind of diet or something along those lines, um, I, I don't want a second, you know, serving uh, if you don't like it. 
so then that's also included in Mishnah of Ibn Ashalom um, and is uh, referenced you know, explicitly in this Gemara in Erevin. Um, another famous Gemara that uh, talks about a hatter for saying something which is tech that a person doesn't really believe is true is the famous Gemara in Ksubos. The Gemara says that Kate uh, Merakim is Lisnei Akala. What do they sing when they dance in front of Akala? So Bishami said, Kala Kemoshehi. Whatever the Kala, however she presents herself, that's what you're supposed to say about her. And Bishami said, said, No, Kala Nava Chasuda. That's uh, that was what you're supposed to say. To say basically that she's she's beautiful. So Bishami was puzzled by this and said, Wait a second, but on the other hand, doesn't it say Midvashekatirachak? You're not supposed to tell a lie. Basil said no, that, uh, and they gave an example that if a person were asked by someone who purchased something, um, is it nice or is it not nice? So, and let's assume for a minute that it can't be returned. So the person, um, Basil says obviously the person uh, has to praise it, right? They have to, you have to say that it looks nice and you're impressed by it and it, they have to make the person feel good. And, um, the the principle which they apply over here is that uh, the, the person should always be able to get along with other people. So that's a very, obviously that's a broad principle. And and here they're saying that in order to be in this context, and in order to be able to promote, you know, good relationships, you have to be able sometimes to say something, somebody in order to, you know, say that the person looks nice, or the person, let's say, for example, is... Uh, is, is uh, you know, is what the person spoke about was impressive or something along those lines, you know, in order to create good relationships among people. Here, th- therefore, according to Beit Hillel, you're allowed to say, and you have to say, Kalano uh, the Some of the Rishonim there, you know, indicate in a subtle kind of way that it's a broad principle. Uh, for example, the Piske Reed there says that it has to be something, that you should say something, Dover Miskabel. You should say something which is acceptable by other people. You shouldn't say things which are going to get other people upset. So that's how he phrases it. Um, and uh, the Chidush Ritva, the Ritva here says that the Koshu Mipnei Darachi Shalom Ein Bo Mishum He references the, what we mentioned before about the concept of Shalom. Whenever it's Mipnei Darachi Shalom, to create good relationships amongst people, then that's not included in Midrash Yechatirchak. Here, you have... A, this goal, this ideal, or this um, this uh, value of having good relationships amongst people, it's so important that even if something technically is not true, but it serves that purpose and it's for that goal of da'achi shalom, then it's considered to be permissible and even an obligation um, to uh, to say something which may not technically be be true. Um, now, that's there's yet another Gemara that we should turn to that um, indicates this lists several examples of uh, of when a person is allowed to say something which is not true um, and the Gemara in fact is actually talking about uh, the Tamid HaChachamim have to make try to make sure that there are three things in which they are going to you know they're not going to say something which is the absolute truth they're going to say something package things or present things a little bit differently the Gemara in Bavim Metziah Davchof Gimel Amid Beis says there are three things that the Chachamim change, they deviate from the truth, and that is the Mesechas, Puraya, and Ushpiza. What are the three different things here? Mesechas means that if a person is asked if he learned something, let's say learned a particular Gemara, he knows a particular Gemara, he's allowed to, and it's even preferable for him to say no. Somehow to indicate that he's not really, you know, now if he's being asked, so he can answer a question, that's different. But if he's just being asked, 
in order to uh, get a sense as to whether he's a great Talmud Chacham or not. So it's preferable for him to, you know, to, to say something in order to, to indicate that he has not done so. And that's in order to, in order to um, advance his own midah of anava, um, of humility. And um, the post can point out that, th- therefore, let's say, for example, let's get another example. This seems to make a lot of sense anyways. But um, let's say if a person were to get involved in a conversation and if they stick to the truth, they know that it's going to create tension in the conversation and the person is likely to get angry and upset at the other individual. So they can say something which is not really true. And then that will, you know, create or the, a, a dynamic in which the conversation is going to be a much more productive one. The person will not get angry. So for the sake of not getting angry, the sake of uh, maintaining good relations with someone else, which, number one, is assumed under, um, you know, Mishan and Ashalom. And also, for here, in this context, just like in regard to Anava, I want to be able to adhere to Anava if I'm allowed to deviate from the truth. So, too, in regard to other Midos, like, for example, avoiding conflict and avoiding um, avoiding anger. Um, second point is that in regard to Puraya, which means that uh, the Machot is between Rashi and Tosvos, but uh, it has something to do with, according to Rashi, it means that a person um, denies that he had relations with his wife if he asked about it. Um, according to Tosos, it may have to do with the fact that otherwise there might be something embarrassing, like there might be Sheikh Vazdera on his uh, bed sheet, so he might say that he didn't sleep in that bed. But the point is that it has to do with the topic of Tznius, um, modesty. The, in order to maintain modesty um, and um, a sense of privacy, privacy, let's say, for example, in regard to, uh, let's call it, uh, intimate issues, so one is allowed to um, one is allowed to say something which is not technically true. Where does this come up on an ongoing basis? Let's say, for example, the Shulchan Aruch says, the Ramah quotes this, that when a woman goes to the mikvah, so the Ramah mentions that uh, one should try to avoid, um, that the woman should try to avoid people knowing about it. Now, sometimes people might be able to put it together and figure it out, but one should generally try to avoid um, people finding out about this. So, the... the, um, the Sometimes it's difficult, according to what we're saying now, in fact, it's possible for a person to make up a story, um, even though it may not technically be true, in order to make sure that people are not going to find out um, that the person, that the woman is going to the mikvah. Um, you can actually say something which is not true. That would be an, an application of um, puraya, of, um, of being bishana in order to uh, maintain sneers. Um, the last example of this is in regard to Ushpiva, and that has to do with a person who stayed over in somebody's house, and they asked how was it in the other person's house to do with the, with the good hospitality. So, if, let's say, for example, you know that there's somebody who might uh, overuse somebody, somebody's hospitality, and if you tell them the truth that the person is so giving and so hospitable and it was so nice, etc., etc., they might end up, you know, I don't know, moving in for a week or going at times when the person is uh, it's going to be inconvenient for the individual, so it's better to avoid um, saying all kinds of praises about the hospitality in order to protect the host and hostess um, from, you know, from, uh, from, from this uh, being exposed um, to this uh, kind of situation. So that's another example uh, mentioned in the Gemara. Um, there are three different things, again. Um, the, the Gemara says uh, in Bab Messiah that you're allowed to you're allowed to change from deviate from the truth um, in regard to Mesechta, in regard to Pariah, in regard to Ushpiza. Okay, so uh, other examples that come up in regard to um, when you're allowed to the um, Mishaneh um, would be, um, for example, 
if you want to um, prevent embarrassment to someone. Um, so this comes up in a, a number of different uh, contexts. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, and Daf Yud Aleph Omid Aleph, that uh, mentions a number of different circumstances in which uh, Amoraim um, or Tanoim would uh, say something that wasn't true in order to prevent somebody from being embarrassed. Uh, for example, Rabbi Gamliel, um, one time, time they were doing involved in Ibr Shana, and uh, Rabbi Gamliel uh, noticed that there was somebody extra in the group, and he said, who is not supposed to be here? And um, Shmuel Cotton was the one who said that uh, I'm the one who's not supposed to be here. And in fact, the Gemara says that the reason why he did this uh, was, um, even though he was supposed to be there, he, he was Mishana in order to prevent Kisufa, Machmas Kisufa Davad, in order to avoid embarrassing the person who was not supposed to be there. And the Gemara goes on to mention several other examples of this, um, in which uh, there was something which was presented which was untrue in order to prevent somebody from being embarrassed. This also seems to be an extension of, you know, Mishan Vitnei HaShalom. Um, and similarly, once already we're up to that, a person would say that uh, one would be able to Mishan Vitnei to save oneself from personal embarrassment. Obviously, one has to be careful in regard to this. This is, again, one of these circumstances where this can be abused. You know, that a person sometimes can make up excuses on an constant ongoing basis and not take responsibility for things. Um, because they're Mishana. That's not what they're referring to. <coughs> but sometimes there may be a circumstance in which it's legitimate. A person might uh, end up with, uh, you know, kind of embarrassment, or maybe it's embarrassment for Jewish people in general, if they would, um, you know, divulge something. Um, so we find, um, you know, posting will say that uh, that uh, it comes up by way of example, one of the applications, if, uh, if a person, let's say, for example, a woman has miscarried, and she, um, and as a consequence, she's, there's not going to be a pidyan aben. The pidyan aben can cannot come after um, a, a miscarriage. Uh, so then a person might ask, you know, what happened? You know, why is there no pidyan aben um, when she has her first uh, her first boy? Um, so the post can say that she'd be able to say something along the lines of, you know, that you know that she's a baslevi, baskoin, something. That would uh, that would exempt her from um, a pidyon aben, even though it's not true. Again, saving herself from embarrassment. So this is something which might come up at times. Um, again, one has to be able to apply it in a very uh, in a very um, careful kind of way. Another um, thing that the some of the post team will mention is that um, one is allowed to be mishana to say something which is not technically true for the sake of a mitzvah or to avoid an iser. Now, this can come up at times. And let's say, for example, a person uh, just has to go daven, and they're in a setting in which explaining to the people involved that they absolutely have to go daven, you know, it's simply not going to work. It's not, uh, for some reason, that's not uh, an excuse that they can really give. Um, or the person, uh, let's say, for example, has to get home in time for Shabbos or Yom Tov or for Kriyas and Megillah or something along those lines. And, you know, so would a person be able to do so in order to avoid either transgressing an Easter or to in order to fulfill a mitzvah? So in the post scheme, by way of example, in the Sefer News of Asayim on page 43, he mentions that uh, this is permissible, that yes, we find this sources in the Gemara, which seems to indicate this is true, some sources in the Rishonin that seem to indicate this, this is true, um, and uh, in any case, it's something sometimes might apply. This has to be weighed very carefully. Again, you have to make sure that it's not going to be a Chil Hashem, which is going to result, 
you have to um, also weigh at times if it's something which is going to come up repeatedly, then it might just uh, be better to swallow hard and to, you know, be straightforward. It can depend upon the work setting. Be straightforward and say that there are certain religious obligations that you absolutely cannot compromise in regard to. But there may be a, a particular situation or setting in which it's an unfamiliar person, um, someone who's not going to be as understanding, um, someone who will, you know, will not uh, take kindly to, you know, a certain restriction or um, the inability for a person to participate in something or another. And uh, in that case, let's say you have a group of people who simply, you know, they, they their uh, perspective in regard to these things is that, you know, it's it, it somehow it's uh, they would view this in a very uh, in a very negative kind of way. You can't really explain something and why you can't participate in in something or another. You know, there are certain times. Let's say, for example, a person can't enter into a church um, according to Allah. So, what if they wouldn't understand? You can know, you know, they're not going to understand that the person can't enter into a church um, in order to participate in some important event for them. So, you have to be mishanet in that case. In other words, to avoid embarrassment and to avoid, for that matter, um, them having a very negative perspective in regard to this. Um, person who's Shomer Torah Mitzvah and there are other Jews who are Shomer Torah Mitzvah. Um, again, it has to be done carefully with a tremendous amount of Seichel and Shikol Adas, but uh, to know that one is able to do so in order to avoid an Easter or in order to fulfill a Mitzvah, that's something which, uh, you know, is very important and it will come up um, at, uh, at certain times. I'll mention just uh, one last thing, that uh, sometimes if a person will unfairly lose money, um, you know, and, uh, and again, specifically if it's unfair, sometimes a person is able to mimishana, um in order to prevent that from happening. One example is if a, is mentioned in Gemara Nadarim, the Mishnah, that if uh, a person, let's say, for example, is, uh, is confronted by uh, people who are going to rob him, and uh, He's allowed to say in that case that, you know, what you're about to take from my home is truma. And um, either because they're going to be concerned about the Easter revealing truma, even though they're not concerned about robbing the person, or because the value of truma is less, so maybe it'll go on to somebody else and, you know, they're not going to take the property of the individual um, who's, uh, who's dealing with them. Um, so that's an example where in order to prevent a loss, Right, an unfair loss. In that case, if you want to steal from the person, one is allowed to say something which is technically not true. And there are other applications of this. Again, a lot of these circumstances, one has to be very careful um, not to uh, think that there's a broad kind of hetter. You know, and certainly one has to be very careful that that, um, that a person is doing it to prevent a loss, as opposed to, let's say, for example, being mashana in order to make money. That's something else entirely, um, and that uh, obviously is not covered by this uh, dispensation. Um, there are numerous other circumstances as well. We see that uh, due to sensitivity um, for other people um, in, order to pre- in, order to, uh, in order to prevent, um, in order to sometimes to, to prevent them from being, as we said beforehand, embarrassed or to prevent them from being depressed, uh, having you know, emotional, emotional turmoil. Someone is allowed to um, one is allowed to uh, say something which is not true. And there are many other applications in real life in regard to this. If, uh, let's say, an individual, um, you know, it, it might be very hurt if they found out certain news or if they found out, um, you know, some specific information 
and uh, and they ask about it in, in order to protect the individual uh, from you know emotional turmoil or or a pain, the individual would have to say something um, which is not technically true. Then it is permitted. Again, you know, have to be careful and make sure you know that it's done in an appropriate kind of way with a lot of seichel. And uh, the person's not, you know, not going to find out afterwards. The person will find out in ten minutes, so it's not really going to serve a purpose. Um, but in those kinds of circumstances, also a person is allowed to deviate from um, what technically is considered to be true. So the things that are most applicable, I think, in a work setting, as, uh, as we mentioned before, are let's say, for example, to fulfill mitzvot or to avoid doing an isur. Um, sometimes to avoid something which might be embarrassing, something which might. Uh, be viewed in a negative way in regard to the individual who represents um, Jews who are Shomotar Mitzvot, right? So then um, the individual will be able to be Mishana. Um, those are some of the primary examples um, in which a, a person would be able to um, would be able to uh, um, deviate from what technically is considered to be true. Um, and then, as I noted before, um, a person really has to be super careful in regard to this and try to be a person of integrity who generally you know, sticks to the truth. That's the way the person should be viewed by other people. They shouldn't have suspicions. That's one of the elements of, you know, of Kiddush Hashem, that a person is supposed to be viewed by other people as, as the Gemara Yuma says, that they understand that the person, the Masomata, the way the person deals with other people, with Be'amuna, that the person is very trustworthy. Um, that's obviously absolutely critical as well. Um, so, in any case, that's uh, generally touching upon um, some of the considerations uh, that come up in regard to truth-telling in the workplace and uh, beyond the course.